2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 17. Actually, verse 26 will be the text. I'll read it later. 2 Kings 4, verses 8 through 17. How is it at home is what we'll look at today. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you'll stand, please, we'll look at this verse together. 2 Kings 4. It's so good to see you, every one of you. Amen. And if someone came in and you want me to meet them after the service, please, I'll be at the doors. And I'd like to get acquainted and hope you'll come back and see us tonight in the evening service. 2 Kings 4, starting at verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed through Shunan, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive this is a holy man of God, which passeth by continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him that is his servant, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou to be spoken for the king or the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Then Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, thou man of God, but please don't lie to me, to thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. Now if I can fast forward down to verse 26. The son had grown up. He had been working in the fields. They had enjoyed family life. But as so many times, things happen in families that break hearts. But look at verse 26. Elijah, Elisha rather sends his servant to inquire about the family. And here's what he asks in verse 26. Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. How is it at home? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful privilege of being in your house. And for this good group. And for these visitors, we are so thankful. They are our honored guests today. And now, Holy Spirit, would you share with us wonderful words of life? Would you do your supernatural work in this place? May we never lose sight of the fact that we can do nothing without you. Breathe upon this time. Do your wonderful work. And dear Lord, I'll praise you for all you do. For I ask it in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Elijah, that most spectacular prophet in the Old Testament, was a prophet of fire. He was the mentor of Elisha. Elijah now was more of a loner. He didn't mingle with people very often. Didn't go down to the villages that much. But Elisha, on the other hand, 
Love to mingle with people. Love to be around people and go into the villages. And I want you to keep this in mind all the way throughout this short message. Elijah is a type of Christ. Elijah is a type of Christ. Like Elijah, our Lord loved to mingle with people. He would go into the villages. And I think of Luke chapter 10. The first time he ever went to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, those three siblings. He went there, he ate with them, talked with them, and often spent the night with them. Every time he had occasion, he loved families. Amen. We're told in Mark 12, 37, that the common people heard him gladly, or what we'd call the Walmart people, everyday people. They mingled with Jesus. They sensed that he was approachable and that he cared for them. Amen. Now this text talks about a family. And this family, husband and wife, had no children. They wanted children but could not have them. But because they treated the man of God, Elisha, so kindly, the Lord honored them and in their golden age in their older years past childbearing they had a child anyhow miraculously in that sense and God gave them a son because of the way they treated Elisha but as always in life things happen as families grow up together and spend years together things happen and hearts get broken and Families are fragmented and become dysfunctional. They need help. And that's what this message is all about today. There's three simple things. First of all, the nation that they lived in had fallen. Israel had fallen. It lost its greatness because of its national sins. Especially idolatry. Israel went after other gods and God punished them for that. Not because He hated them, but because He loved them and wanted them to come back to Him. Proverbs 14, 34, Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Israel lost its greatness because of her national sins. They were carried away into captivity oftentimes. They lost their property. Oftentimes families were separated. And sons were taken away to pay off a debt to the creditors that families could not pay. But God's merciful even in those times of sinfulness and rebellion. And according to Leviticus 25, 40, every 50 years there was called the year of Jubilee and debts were forgiven and sons were allowed to go back to the families whether the debt had been paid off or not. It was the year of Jubilee. Debts were forgiven. All of you in here over 50, wouldn't you wish for that again? Amen. The year of Jubilee. God, even in their sinfulness and even in their rebellion, God was gracious and forgiving toward them. Psalm, 40, Psalm 86, 5, Thou art good, dear Lord, merciful and plenteous in mercy. Just like with Israel, God's been good to our country. Amen. 
Right. We've lost our greatness because of our national sinfulness. But aren't you glad God has not given up on America? Aren't you glad God is patient, long-suffering, and forgiving, and tender, and kind? I'm glad for that. I love my country. As far as I know, it's the greatest country on this planet. There are some things that disturb me about her. We lead the world in divorce rates. We lead the world in teenage pregnancies. We lead the world in child abuse. We lead the world in a lot of things that are absolutely embarrassing. Sometimes I wonder, how long, oh Lord, will you continue to be merciful to America? But I'm glad until this time, at this day, he's still merciful to us here. Israel had fallen and this family suffered for it. And we suffer for it because we live in a fallen nation. It's created more problems, more pressures on families. I don't know if we'll ever be back to where we used to be in the 20th century, but I am praying for America. And if you are, say amen. Amen. There's a second thing here. Not only the nation had fallen, but the need was great. This family lived in a nation of great need. Therefore, they suffered with it as well, and they were in great need. The village of Shunem was about seven miles from Carmel where Elisha made his headquarters. And oftentimes he would go back and forth, Wayne, on that seven-mile track, and he would go back and forth through that village. And this woman, the Shunammite, and her husband noticed him. And he would come by occasionally. And she said, you know, why don't we build a prophet's chamber in the upper part of the roof there? And when he comes by, he can eat with us and take some rest. And we would love to have him visit with us at home. I don't know how much time passed, Poppy, before they did that for him. But it must have been some time because he traveled there to and fro on a regular basis. I don't know why they did not do that earlier. It might have been because they'd settled into that kind of living. It was kind of a functional despair. They'd made up their mind things were not going to get better. They were going to have to live with what they had to live with. Or in our vernacular that we use in the 21st century, it is what it is. And most people have settled down into this in our own lifestyle, in our own churches even, to where this is the way it is. There's nothing we can do about it. We're just going to have to live with it. And our families are suffering because of it. And our churches are suffering because of it because we don't feel like anything can be done about it. It's just going to run its track. It's just going to be that way because after all, we're living in the last days and it's just the way things are supposed to be. And so the need was great then. The need is great now Amen. with our own families. This family was not happy. There was something missing. They wanted children. But that's not all that was missing. They were missing a hope and a happiness that comes from making the Lord the most wonderful visitor in their lives. Amen. 
They did not have that. And when you get unhappy, things really go south in a hurry. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred or delayed maketh the heart faint. When you take away a person's happiness, you've robbed them of the very motivation for living. You've taken away the dynamic of getting up in the morning and facing the day with a smile and feeling like life's worth living after all. When you take that away from them, they do not have much of anything left. And this family was an unhappy family. And I'm wondering, am I talking to some families today who are in that same situation? No criticism for you, not meddling in your private business, but just an inquiry out of concern. How is it over at your house? How is it at home? Are you happy? Are you a family unit? Do you honor the Lord? Do you enjoy spiritual things? Do you laugh together? Do you pray together? Do you talk about spiritual things together? Do you read the Bible together? You say, preacher, that's old hat. It's out of pace. And that's 20th century stuff. Yeah, but you'll be a lot better off if you'll in, bring that back into your home. The need was great there. In the 21st century, we have a functional despair. And we don't know what to do about it. Let me give you a quote from someone talking about the importance of the family. James Wilson, former professor at Harvard University, said, It's not money, but the family is the foundation of public life. As it has become weaker, every structure built upon the foundation has become weaker. Listen to this professor emeritus at Yale Law School. The family is the essential core of any society. And the steady decline of two-parent households has probably been the most consequential social trend in the last half century. Amen. We have more single-parent households than any nation on this planet. The wow. traditional home life is not about to be gone in America. It's already collapsed. Yep. And we need help with our families. The family is in great need. But then there's a third thing, and this new hope was given. I love that. Keep in mind, Elijah is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ as we get toward the end of this message. Now, they were given a son. Now, it was wonderful. They had a son around the house, a child. By the way, parents, have you ever noticed when they're little, you have to be careful what you say around them because they repeat everything. I mean, you say it in the house and they get out in public and they tell it. Little Tommy was out playing one afternoon. He came in and it was about mid late afternoon. He said, Mommy, my tummy hurts. And she said, Son, that's because it's empty. If it had something in it, you'd feel better. That evening, the preacher came over and they cooked supper for him. They were sitting at the table. But just before they started the meal, he said, you know, my head is hurting. And little Tommy said, that's because it's empty. If I had something in it, you'd be feeling better. Wow. But new hope was given in his family. Now they had a child. Now they were a complete family unit. They had children. Don't you love the kids around here? Don't you love your own children? 
Wouldn't you do anything for them? To see after their safety and their spiritual well-being. No price too high. That's your family. Listen, if you lose your family, you've lost everything. Family's about all we've got left. We better hang on to it. This world's taken everything we've got. Don't let them take your family. Fight for them. Pray over them. Get hell off of them. Get them in church. Do whatever you have to do. Keep your family in church. If you don't, you'll lose your family. And then you've lost everything. Don't sit there like a bump on a log. Do something about it. Be a man for God's sake. Stand up and lead your family and show them that I'm an example here. We don't send our kids to church. We take our kids to church. Be a family again or you'll lose your family. We need new hope. New hope in our families. Oh, thank God for the family unit. Spurgeon said it's the only thing that survived the fall is the family. I love it around my house. I love after being out there all day and dealing with all that's going on, coming home and closing the door and closing all that out and coming into a little bit of heaven. I don't want a little bit of hell in my home. I get it out there. I want a little bit of heaven in my home. How about you? And I'll do whatever I have to do to keep it that way in my home. I don't care what it costs. This world is not getting my family. Not going to happen. But it looked like this family was over. The unthinkable happened, ladies and gentlemen. This little boy had grown up. He's out in the field working. And heat stroke evidently. And he came and he said, my head, my head. And he fell over in his mother's lap. And at noon he died. In his mother's arms, the little boy died. Wow, wait a minute. This boy was a miracle child. He was a gift from God. They were past childbearing years and God gave him a son. And now the little boy, grown up man now, he was gone. The family had been divided. Broken, despairing. Questions flying. Why? Why? You gave us the boy and now he's gone. Why? All this happening and it traumatized that family. Elijah, or Elisha rather, inquired about the family. He heard something had happened. And down in verse 26, he said, Ma'am, is it well with you? Husband, is it well with you? And what about the boy? And this Shunammite woman, great one of faith, here's what she said. She said, it is well. She held her son in her arms. He died in her arms. And Elisha said, how are things over at your house? And she said, it's well. I think of Job who said, the Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You've you got to have something real to say that. Amen. You can't be blowing smoke and say that. But she said, I don't understand but the Lord makes no mistakes. And so Elisha came over. And remember, he's a type of Christ. But you know what Elisha did? He went into the room where the boy was laying, lifeless. 
climbed up on his bed, laid over on him, put his face over his face, his eyes over his eyes, his hands on his hands, and figuratively, Elisha died the death of that boy. He breathed, he got up off that boy, and life came back into him, and that boy lived again. New hope into that family. Jesus did that for you, not figuratively, but literally. He stretched himself out at Calvary, where you should have died your death, and he died your death in his place when he stretched himself out over you at Calvary and literally died your death so you could live again. And now you're alive because he paid your price on Calvary. Luke 23, 33, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. He died your death so you could live just like Elisha died his death figuratively <coughs> so he could live. Aren't you glad for a Savior who loves you so? You have new life now. You have hope now. And that family was reunited. That family was put back together again. That family was happy again. In fact, they were more happy than they ever had been before and closer to God than they ever had been before because they witnessed an absolute miracle. God raised that boy from the dead and gave him back to them. How many of you this? How is it at home? How is it at home? You're not what you are in here. You're what you are behind the four walls of your home. Whatever goes on in there, that's who you are. And I'm not meddling. I'm just asking. However you treat each other, however you talk to each other, whatever your mood is, whatever your behavior is, however you feel in your heart, that's who you are at home. How is it at home? You say, preacher, it's not right. It's not good. I don't like it the way it is. It take a miracle to make my home a good home. That's what he does. He works miracles, and that's all he does is work miracles. This society has taken just about everything away from you that's worth having. Don't let them take your home. Don't do that. If I were you, I'd do whatever I had to do. I'd make any changes I had to make. I'd make any adjustments. I'd repent of any sins. I'd do whatever I had to do because no price is too high to save your home. You ought to get that little woman by the arm and say, I love you. No price is too high to take care of you. You ought to grab your children and say, you mean everything to me. You're treasures from heaven to me. And nobody's getting you without going over my prayers for you because I'll not let you go. You are my family. You are my I'll ask you today, as musicians come, how is it at home? 
If it's not right, get it right. You say, preacher, it can't happen. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. God worked a miracle in this family in 2 Kings 4. And He can work a miracle for you. Have we forgotten that He's a great, big, wonderful, miracle-working God? Have we forgotten that? There's nothing He can't help you with. But are you willing to work with Him? Are you willing to do what you need to do? Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Listen to me. Do whatever you need to do today to have a home. You may not even know the Lord Jesus, but you sure can know Him today. He's a great Savior. I wonder if heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking. Nobody's going to get embarrassed in here. We don't do that. Nobody's coming to you. But I'll tell you straight up, I mean straight up, we love you. We want you to go to heaven with us. And if you're not sure you're saved, I want you to get that settled today. Would you say, preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I'm just, I'm telling you the truth. I don't know if I died today and go to heaven, but I'd like to be remembered in prayer. Nobody will know who you are. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please? Not sure I'm saved. God bless you. Is there anybody in this room say, preacher, over at my house, it could be better, and I want it better. I'm not happy with things the way they are. I want a home where I can be happy, where I can feel contented, where I can feel satisfied. I want heaven in my home. There's enough hell all around me. I don't want it when I get in those doors. I want heaven in my home. Preacher, God knows my need around my house, and I have special needs. My children, maybe my children. Oh, God, my children. They're not in church with me and preacher. I love them and I want them in my church. And I want them to be part of the family circle on Sunday afternoon when we eat dinner together. I want to talk about the church service. And I don't want empty chairs around the table. Preacher, pray for my children. Pray for me. Would you raise your hand, please? All over the building, so many of you. Let's stand, if you will, please, with heads bowed. Now, I want you to put that in action. I want you to come down here and pray for them. I want you to pray for a miracle. God worked a miracle with this family. God can work a miracle for you. I want you to come and do whatever you need to do. What are we singing today, Wayne? Page number 385 in the church is a little softly and tenderly this morning. Let's sing it together.
you may want to come for membership today at Fellowship Baptist Church. You won't find a finer church, a more friendly church than this one. Amen. You've been looking around for a church home. You're saved, and you come down here. We'd love to have you. We've had a number come this year, and you can come as well. We still come for prayer. Still come for your family. Whatever you need to do. But this is your verse. Let's sing it out, and you come. God bless you while we sing. Oh, no Amen. Amen. 